Welcome to So You Want to Be a Councillor, where you'll get a realistic glimpse into what it's like to be elected to represent your community on one of Queensland's 77 councils. It takes a special person to both serve and represent their community. That's exactly what the 600 councillors across Queensland's 77 councils do day in and day out. It's a big job, but someone's got to do it. I'm Rob Hazel, and today I'm speaking with Brett DeChastel, a 32-year veteran of local government and self-described local government tragic. Brett's claim to fame is having held, in his words, the best job in Australia as the CEO for Noosa Shire Council. It's a position he held for eight years. Brett has been through two amalgamations and even a de-amalgamation, which he counts as a career highlight, and for a period even ran his own local government-focused consultancy. Recently retired as the Local Government Managers Australia Queensland President, Brett is currently volunteering with Sherberg and working with some Cape York councils, acting as a mentor and continuing his passion for supporting Indigenous communities. Brett claims he's desperately trying to retire. My name is Brett DeChustel. I'm the recently retired CEO of Noosa Shire Council. I held that position uh, for around about the last eight years. Um, I've been involved in local government in Queensland for over 32 years and uh, Tried to retire at the end of last year, but find that I'm still doing a bit of consulting work and helping out a few councils around Queensland as well. What is it about local government, Brett, that keeps you coming back? It's funny, you know, I went through university and a couple of my friends have asked me that same question. And if you'd have asked me, I would have spent my career working in local government originally, I would have laughed. But it's the only job I know that where you can actually make a difference to the community where you live. And that's a very uh, inspiring thing to do. And you can actually see when you drive around town that I made a difference to this or I helped with that or whatever it might be. Um, And that's why people get involved in local government. It's that sense of being able to make a difference to the community that you live in. You were there when the council de-amalgamated at the start of 2014. Talk us through that for you personally. Yeah, I think I've been um, either the luckiest or unluckiest uh, executive in local government in Queensland because I've actually been through two amalgamations and a de-amalgamation now. Um, so the de-amalgamation in 2014 was a good example of what I call local voice, where community wants to have its local voice and be heard. And uh, it was a great experience actually setting up a council from scratch. We had a blank piece of paper and try to work out what an ideal council would look like. And, and the community had very strong views about that because I'd actually advocated and lobbied to get that back. Um, so that was a great, great time of my career. I really enjoyed it, but uh, a lot of hard work. People talk about councils as being involved with uh, rates, roads and rubbish, but I think something like the de-amalgamation, uh, just as important is a sense of community. That's right. And, and I use that term local voice because people, um, you know, they, they don't necessarily identify with state or, or federal governments on, on issues that affect them on a day-to-day basis. Um, you know, that might certainly be the case for international incidents or state of origin time or whatever it might be with other levels of government. But the things in, that impact on people every day, you know, it's the local parks, it's the ability to get some of the latest books from the library, it's the garbage not being picked up every day, the potholes in the roads, you know, can my kids find a job? Those are the things that matter to people and it's the local government that actually has one of the biggest impact on most of those things. As a CEO, what was your role day in, day out in, in dealing with the elected representatives? Yeah, a CEO is there really to provide advice to what I call the board. You know, it, it's called a local government, but in many ways, it's similar to a private sector company where you have a board of directors in charge of a, a very large and complex organisation. And so as a CEO, you're really the conduit between the elected representatives and the organisation, which is doing things on the ground and also providing advice to the councillors. So 
really the role of the CEO is to support the councillors, give, give good advice um, and help them achieve what their policy objectives are, um, both in the short and the long term. And that, that's one of the challenges for councillors to try and do things in the short term, but not um, have long-term financial implications, for example. In terms of, of being a successful council, you need to have that balance of representation and management working in good synergy, I would imagine. That's right. And the longer I've been in this business of local government, the more I realise that local government is essentially about relationships. It's the relationship between the council and the community, the relationship between the mayor and the councillors, the relationship between the mayor and the CEO, uh, the relationship between the CEO and, and their senior management team, uh, the relationship between the councillors and the senior managers as well. If you get those relationships working well, you're going to work through all your problems. You're going to be able to um, deal with difficult issues, have disagreements, and then at the end of that disagreement, move on to the next issue without holding a grudge. If you don't sustain those relationships, it can be a pretty uh, terrible time for a council to work that through. It's got to be pretty tough as well to maintain those relationships. How many councillors have you worked in during your career? I thought about this the other day, actually, um, and I, I think I got to about 100 um, over the years. I, I think I've probably inducted 80 or more um, where councillors have been elected and, and my job has been to help them come into the organisation as a, as a councillor and, and talk them through the first couple of months and help them. Um, so, yeah, I've seen a fair bit. I've seen some really good councillors and some really good community mining councils and others through the eyes have been pretty wide open when they've come in as well. Uh, they suddenly realise what they've signed up for. Well, let's, let's talk about that because essentially this podcast is about um, talking to people who are considering becoming councillors. So through your experience, what do you think makes a really good first-time councillor? That's a good question. I, I think the first-time councillors, the best ones I've seen are the ones who are prepared to listen and to listen to alternative points of view. Um, don't come in with fixed ideas because inevitably perceptions when you're running through an election are very different to the reality once you're inside the organisation and working as a councillor. Um, so the ability to listen, the ability to learn a lot. Um, I've seen councillors come in on a single issue and all of a sudden they're having to deal with everything else. They might come in about a, you know, getting a toilet block done in a park or something in their local community that might have got them enthused to run for council. And they might get that done in the first two years. And then all of a sudden, they're dealing with everything else from garbage contracts through to performing arts centres or um, development applications or economic development policies. You, you've really got to be, get your head around a lot of different issues uh, when you come in and you've got to learn a lot. Is that what you would say would be the most challenging thing for a new councillor is to come in with their eyes wide open about the entire role? Yeah, I think so. Um, the one thing, if I look back over all of the councillors who um, I've helped to settle into an organisation or inducted in and, and helped them move in, the one thing I've heard the most is, gosh, there's more to it than I thought. Um, the breadth of issues we deal with as a, as a local government is astonishing to a lot of people who haven't been around uh, local government before. Um, so if, you haven't, if you're thinking about running, uh, one of the things I'd suggest you do is to go and sit in on a few council meetings read all the council agendas and see the variety of things that the councillors are being asked to consider. Um, you don't have to be an expert on all those things. You don't have to be a, an engineer or an accountant or a town planner. Um, you need to understand some of the principles that those issues um, arise, but uh, listen to the advice. You've got good senior staff who can normally give good advice as well. The department on its website has some, some, some guiding materials as well, which suggests that anyone who is looking to put their hand up for representation has a, has a look on the department website. 
that's true. Um, the department's got some good material there. And uh, the main thing is, even if you're, or when you're elected, don't think your training or your knowledge um, gathering stops there. It can go on for months and years. I, I always think that it takes at least 12 to 18 months for a new council to get the head around all the issues. Um, so there's lots of courses available. Um, it said the department's got some good information on its website. Uh, Local Government Association of Queensland as well provides good support for councillors. There's a lot of range of material that will really help um, councillors come to grips with um, the issues you've got to deal with. You've got to deal with a budget normally within three months of getting elected. And that budget, depending on the size of the council, could be much bigger than what you're used to running your home budget or small business budget or whatever. Um, in the, my council's case, it was over $100 million. And new councillors are coming in trying to work out how to have input into setting a budget for over $100 million. It's quite a challenge. Do you think that that challenge differs though from council to council and Brett, depending on the size of the council itself? Not, not necessarily. Um, the principles generally tend to be the same, regardless of the size of the council. It's just a few more zeros on the end of some of the, the bigger budgets. But the principles are the same. You know, what can we do for our community? What can our community afford in terms of the level of service that we need to provide? Um, what are they prepared to pay for rates? You know, what's important to my community? So there's a, the ability to understand and engage with the community to find out what's important to them and how to shape a policy response through a budget process. Um, it should be the same in every council, just the scale's a bit different. I imagine there's there's, there's one key characteristic of, of all first-time councillors or anyone putting their hand up for election, and that is that they are passionate about their community. Correct. And and people want to make a difference. And if you if you're there for the community, you're halfway there. Um, and, and councillors who've been around a long time, that's what drives them. That's what continues why they stand for re-election. Um, they still think they can make a difference to the community. And often uh, I had one councillor who I worked for, he said, Brett, I, I want to be able to sit in my rocking chair in 20 years' time and look back and go, yeah, I made a difference. I made a difference to this community. I would also imagine that as passionate as you are about your community, not everyone sees every issue the same way. And you won't be able to get everything across the line because there's a there's a vote on council. Correct. There's two things about that. Um, first is that you cannot keep everyone happy on every issue at all times. It's just not possible. And in the same way that some people will vote for you, some people won't vote for you. And, and they'll have a different view from you about uh, how your community should look. So you've got to recognise that you represent all of the community, not just the people who voted for you. And your decisions have to be in the overall community interest, not just a section of that community. You know, whether it was a business community, environment group or sporting organisations that you came out of because you had that passion about local government, that doesn't matter. You're there to make decisions for the entire community. And, and you're also right that the second element is that at the end of the day, you have one vote around the council table and there'll be other people who have different views from you. And you know, my experience is that probably 80% or more of the time uh, votes at the council meetings are unanimous. There's a lot of unanimity about what people think, but sometimes it's not. And sometimes you'll be on the end of a, a 6-1 vote or depending on how many councillors you have or a 5-2 or whatever it might be. And that's sometimes difficult to accept that your view is only one view and there's other views out there that are equally legitimate. Um, the successful councillors are those who go, well, I lost that one, what's next? Move on. Never make it personal. It's just about the issue. You put forward your points of view, then you move on to the next the next issue. You talk about making the tough decisions and the need to keep the entire community in mind when you're making those decisions. 
the bottom line for councils can be a, a tough one to uh, to keep an eye on. How important is it for for, for new councillors and and experienced ones as well to ensure that the budget gets stretched as far as possible for their for their communities? Yeah, one of the things you've got to think is that who you represent is not only today's community but also the future community. And you know you can make yourself popular by delivering everything now, but doing it by taking away all of the cash reserves or borrowing or whatever to be able to deliver everything right now. The future community is going to pay for that. They're going to have inherited big debt. They're not going to have the capacity to do things down the track. So really, you've got to get that balance between the short and the long term as well and think about the financial sustainability. In one way, it's almost obligatory for councillors to think to themselves, am I going to leave the next council in a better financial position than, than I found this council? In other words, they've got to look after the community money. It's not council money, it's community money and make that go as far as we can. Um, because if you don't do that, the future community is going to suffer and you'll be responsible for it. It's a, it's a great balancing act. It's not all glitz and glory and cutting ribbons. There's a fair bit of pressure there, isn't there? There is. And, you know, I, I've never got a letter of thanks from anyone when they get their rates notice. Um, it's, a, it's a thing that people don't enjoy having to pay rates. Um, so you've got to be careful about uh, using what is essentially a taxation power just to put rates up and an impact on the community um, so you can do more, more things and, and try and be popular. One of the hardest things for new councillors to do is to learn to say no. And it's uh, quite tricky. But ultimately, it's, you know, no, we can't do it now, but we can look at it in three years' time when we get through these other projects. Or no, we can't do it now because of X, Y, and Z, but we can find another way to advocate to try and get that for the community rather than having council spend its own money on that. So it's how you explain that to community is often important as well. People just think there's this magic bucket of council money, uh, but at the end of the day, it's community money. And we've got to really look after it. I mentioned earlier that the the councillors and the mayor are the face of the council. They live within the community. Uh, they're voted for by their local community, their friends, their family, their streets. I imagine it would be difficult to have any time off within that community as well, even when you just go to the shops. That's right. And I think that's particularly the case in some of the smaller communities where councillors are elected. Um, you know, you might have been, you know, Sally, the, the person who works in the news agency or Bill, the local builder who got elected onto council, all of a sudden... You're now Sally the councillor or Bill the, Bill the councillor. So if you're out on a Friday afternoon and having a beer at the pub or wherever you hit the footy on a Saturday morning, people want to come up and talk to you about council stuff and you can't turn off. Um, you've got to work out how to manage that. Um, you've got to work out whether you want to talk to people at that time in your own private family time or whether you want to put some boundaries around it. Say, look, I'm just on with my family at the moment. Can we catch up on Monday or whatever it might be? Um, but you do need to recognise that you're in the public face 24-7 and they see you as a member of the council at all times, regardless of whether you think you're a private citizen. Representative democracy is where you know, I vote for you and you're going to make the decisions on my behalf. And the trend now in participatory democracy is I vote for you. I want you to ask me what I think on some key decisions that affect me, but you still get to vote on my behalf. So it's the level of which you need to communicate with your constituency about key decisions that are going to be made. You can't do that on every single decision. So part of the judgment for an elected representative is to say, when do I need to engage with the community? How do I take the pulse on issues? Because most people only get in touch with there's a problem. You won't get all the parents and people who are running around taking their kids to footy training and things like that or, or whatever it might be 
they're just too busy living life. And sometimes it's the squeaky wheels. Um, I call them the survey of one on Facebook who will start to try and influence the decisions for elected representatives. So how do you make sure you can actually understand what the whole of your community is after? And just living and talking to people and taking the pulse on issues is important. So you can understand what decisions you're gonna be making on their behalf. It's a really, really critical part of, uh, of the role. And there's some tools around this. Um, and again, you know, when you, if you get elected, your professional staff will be able to give advice about some of the models that are out there. Um, what's called the IAP2 model, which is a participatory or a, a community engagement type model to work out, you know, when you just need to tell the community what you're doing. For example, you know, we're gonna come down your street next Thursday and we're gonna be doing uh, resealing or pothole repairs, whatever it might be. People just need to be aware of that so you can get your car in and out. It's not a something for up for discussion. Whereas, you know, developing an economic development strategy for the next 10 years, that may be something where you need to have a deeper dive with a broad section of the community, the business section, tourism, whatever it might be, and, and get their views about what, what, whether your thinking is the right, on the right track or not. So it really depends on the, the topic and the level you need to engage with. Well, looking at the future, what's the future hold for you? I'm a, a local government tragic. Um, so <laughs> I uh, tried to retire, but I'm still uh, out there helping. I do volunteer work uh, now at Sherberg Aboriginal Shire Council. Um, go out there once a week and do a bit of mentoring and support for them. Uh, they're a terrific uh, little council, um, helping them out and, and a few others around the place as well. Uh, Woodjul Woodjul Aboriginal Shire Council up on Cape York. So I really enjoy um, just seeing how I can help people uh, try and make their community better and getting good good governance and good decision-making around that. Um, it's just part of that journey. And good decision-making and good governance really has an impact on those lo local communities, doesn't it? That's right. I mean, you know, some places say, oh, we don't have enough money to do things. If you get good governance and that good decision-making, eventually you'll have enough money to do things um, because you, you'll have a plan, you'll have a financial plan, you know, you'll have a plan for other things. So it sounds a little bit bureaucratic, but the planning and, and getting everything in place actually works um, and getting good governance in place actually works. I've never seen a successful council without having good governance, but I've seen a lot of bad ones that don't have it. And if you had one key piece of advice for future aspiring councillors, what would it be? Uh, stick your hand up. Um, it is a great honour to represent your community, um, but go in with your eyes open. It's not as easy as it looks if you haven't um, been involved in the local government before. Uh, enjoy the journey. Learn as much as you can. Listen and get good advice. Uh, but at the end of the day, no matter how complex and how difficult the decision is, always come back to that one test. What's best for this community? And if you make that decision, you'll probably make the right decision. Brett D. Chestel, thank you very much for your time and your experience. Thank you. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Counsellor. During the next episode, we'll be chatting with Bill Shannon, former mayor with the Cassowary Coast Regional Council for two terms from 2008 to 2016. Bill shares how his life as a self-described community man put him in the right place at the right time, as he says, to run the show properly. They will say, fair enough. They actually respect you for taking a stand on something in the interest of fairness. If you're feeling inspired to represent your community and considering running for council, go to statedevelopment.qld.gov.au slash get elected. There's a link in the show notes. If you like today's episode or any of our other episodes, please give us a rating review in your podcast app.